Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Transformation for Success show today. I'm calling this Compassionate Tuesday. I'm Dr. Barbara Young, your radio talk show host, and I am so excited today because I have a very, very fabulous guest. You know, for many years, my passion has been to empower people with simple success principles to transform their lives. So each day, I'm driven to make a difference in the lives of others. And you know, like most people, we all want success and we want it now. But you know, transformational work, our change takes work. And sometimes people want to bypass the work. But there are things that you have to do to get results. And you know what? It is so empowering to learn from other people and who have achieved at the same level you desire or who have information that they can share with you to help you learn the transformation success more rapidly. So today, I have a stellar performing orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Barry Rose. Doesn't that name sound like an actor on stage? (laughs) Dr. Barry Rose, who's been in practice for over 30 years. He's currently the chief of orthopedics and the surgical division head for the Alameda Division of the Palo Alto Foundation Medical Group in California. One thing I know about Dr. Rose, he's very passionate about his patients and the future of healthcare. Now, he has written a book called The Cutting Edge of Compassion, which we're going to talk about today. So don't go away. Call your friends as he's going to share his story-based book about his life and about bringing compassion back to healthcare and healing. You know, I met Barry a few years ago when I was so impressed with his gentle and kind spirit. You know, and one of the quotes that I love by Catherine Pulsifer is that, No matter who we are, no matter how successful, no matter what our situation, compassion is something we all need to receive and give. So I'm reminded every day that we must show compassion to others. And I'm reminded also that my circumstances are not as bad as I might think they are. So I am so pleased to have Dr. Rose on the Transformation for Success show today because he's going to share again his and how this led to his work of compassion in the health field, which he demonstrates. So, Barry, hello. It's so good to have you on the show. Barbara, it's so great to be here, and you're too kind. You know, it's always wonderful to be around you and to talk with you, and (laughs) you're the best. Well, I just tell the truth. Really, I do. And Barry, you know, I was so impressed when I met with you, and we just clicked. Your energy, and again, I'm going to use the C word, your compassion and sensitivity to the needs of other people, most just spoke to me and resonated with me. And that's why we've been friends for so long. And I really share about you, and I care as well. So I'm so happy that you're with me today and that you took time from your busy schedule to be on the show. Now, our show today, I entitled... Courage and Compassion on the Other Side of Pain, from an MD's perspective. 
And, you know, truly, it takes courage and compassion, and we're going to talk about that. But each week, my goal is to, to make a difference in the lives of so many people. And we're all placed here on this earth by the master craftsman himself to show his compassion and love with those around us. So I want the listeners to know that this is a show for everyone, the, sh- the young, the bold, the restless, the seasoned, the shy. You know, in today's world, with recent changes, in particular in our American healthcare or medical system, a lot of doctors and patients are experiencing varying, varying degrees of frustration, and I can speak on that for first-hand basis where my husband was ill with dementia for many years. So Dr. Rose is going to share his story and lay out his simple common sense and compassionate approach in this dynamic new book called The Cutting Edge of Compassion. So I want your friends to call, listen in live, or they can download this show later, as I know you're going to be inspired, challenged, and informed by my guest today. But most importantly, I want to just take time out to say thank you to all of you listeners out there in the world today who have downloaded my shows, sent your comments to me, and I want to welcome you to continue to send your comments or questions during the show or even after the show on how this show has enriched your life. You can reach me at info at transformationforsuccess.com. You can call in the show today at 1-888-346-9141, and that's if you're calling internationally. Now, I'm sorry, that's calling locally, (laughs) but if you're calling internationally, it's 001-480-553-5754. You can email your feedback again at info at transformationforsuccess.com, and you can access me on my channel pages, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So, Mary, again, welcome. I'm just really overjoyed to have you on the show today. So, I got a lot of questions for you, so are you ready? (laughs) I got a lot of answers, and I'm ready. (laughs) You know, I know that you were raised in Kansas City. So, tell me a little bit bit about your early life in Kansas City. Share a little bit of your background. I was uh, born, I was uh, raised in a suburb of Kansas City, which is a great town. Um, my dad was a chemical salesman, so he was on the mm-hmm. road traveling all the time. And my mom was an Avon lady. And that's kind of how we... Wow! Yeah, mm-hmm. she, she went door to door selling Avon products. And I uh, had one brother. And... Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely started working at an early age because that was sort of uh, what we did. You know, I think I had my own lawn cutting company when I was 10 or 11 and used to push my lawn more all over neighborhoods uh, trying to make some extra money. And uh, that's kind of how I grew up. And then uh, as time went on. Well, you know, you have. Go ahead. No, as time went on, what happened? Oh, so. So somewhere along the line, no one in my family was a physician. Um, When I was in sixth grade, I had a great sixth grade teacher that taught me all the bones of the skeleton and all the muscles of the body, and his name was Mr. Miller. And after I took, uh, after I learned all that stuff from him, I knew this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a doctor. I was so enthralled with that that uh, it sort of put me on a mission from probably sixth grade on. That's what I. That's what I wanted to. 
to uh, go into. And in fact, when I applied to medical school, I had him as my sixth grade teacher write me a letter of recommendation. I had so much respect for him. Oh, my goodness. You know, Barry, this is interesting. And I hear this story more often than not, that young people who have been who are successful, many of them, will talk about how they went into a particular profession uh, by sixth grade, eighth grade. I mean, some teacher or counselor or even a, a coach, basketball coach, that inspired them in sixth and eighth grade. Isn't that interesting? Such so it's a pivotal, I think it's a pivotal age. How wonderful. And that yeah. Mr. Miller was still around when you entered medical school. Oh, absolutely. And, and <laughs> you know, it's you interesting ch- because a lot of people go through they go to college. They really don't know what they want to do or what they want to be, and sometimes they still don't know when they oh, get yeah. done. Oh, yeah. I just feel blessed that I had a mission early on, and and it's sort of a, a calling that I've sort of continued all the way through. Well, you know, I've always been intrigued uh, why you know certain individuals go into medicine, or they you know because. Knowing a background in education that I do have, and I think you know that, that it is a lot in terms of science and math that you need to be able to matriculate into a health profession career, be it a doctor, nurse, or whatever. So, obviously, you were pretty smart. (laughs) Well, I don't know, but I was a hard worker. I can tell you that. And I was definitely well, determined. I wasn't going to let smarts, anything, but hard work. <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't going to let anything knock me off my my uh, my step. I was going to push through it no matter what. And I had some obstacles along the way, but I made it. Well, you know, during during your darkest hour, because one of the things that I do know, and I just got through talking about that earlier this morning, about some of the obstacles that happen to many of us in our lives, and we see them as as stumbling blocks, and sometimes we stop. We fall short of what actually was the master plan for us. How did you overcome some of those obstacles? And were you, during your darkest hour, felt like, ah, I'm going to give up? Did you ever have that experience or experiences? When I I went through college, I went through high school, and I was... uh, I did well in high school. I think I was in National Honor Society, all that stuff. But I wasn't. I wouldn't call myself a brainiac. I mean, I just worked really hard. I was determined, and I wanted to make good grades, and so I would work harder than the average guy. My brother, who who uh, probably had a higher IQ, it came a lot easier to him. He could read something once or twice and have it, and it would take me a lot more. And then I went to college, did well in college, worked really hard, did some extra work, research, but it wasn't a very good standardized test taker. And when the time came mm-hmm. for me to apply to medical school, I had good grades, I had uh, done some research, I had done a lot of stuff, and I gave letters mm-hmm. of recommendation. But when it came time to take the medical college admission test, which was the MCAT, I scored very poorly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Sections, oh, wow. I applied and I didn't get in my first year. I got put on the alternate list and I was crushed. I mean, I really I thought, bet. wow, I've done all this, I've worked all this time, I've, I've been on this mission, and now I'm, I, I don't see the end of the tunnel. And uh, I ended up going to take a review course, which was called the Kaplan course, and at the time they didn't even have one in Kansas City, it was in St. Louis, Missouri. So for eight weeks in a row, mm-hmm. for a full weekend, I got in the car and I drove to St. Louis, put myself up in a motel, studied, 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 learned how to take tests faster, and uh, 
When I got done and retook the test, I went from, I think, maybe the 40th percentile to the 85th percentile, reapplied, and got in. But there was many times in there I was thinking, wow, I was going to be without reaching my mission, and it was tough. But here's the thing that I'm impressed with, uh, that you didn't give up, but you pursued and you explored other options, how you could prepare yourself. I think that's important for people to, you know, particularly in today's climate and environment with a lot of students, that it's going to take a lot to pursue your vision and, and your calling. And that is that is so inspirational, uh, Barry, because I really didn't know that about you. I mean, because you, you know, we think always, I think, of people, when we look at medical doctors or lawyers, we say, oh, they were brainiacs. You know, this is a smart guy, obviously, not realizing that takes work. And thank God, wow, <laughs> well, you were destined to be where you are. What, what are some of the lessons that you think you learned that you would share with the listeners about your early experiences? Well, um, you know, I, I had, uh, I, my, my family was interesting when I was growing up. Uh, we had some issues, and I, I, my dad was gone a lot, and mm-hmm. my mom had some alcohol issues, and I sort of had to take care of the family. Uh, I had okay. a brother, and my mom had uh, needed help during that period of time, and I was sort of the guy. And I learned how to be a a caregiver early, um, or caretaker Uh early, probably not appropriate Uh for my age, but I did it anyway. And it wasn't, I I Uh wouldn't call it uh, the right kind of caretaking, but I did learn about it and learn how Uh to be there and be supportive for my mother and my brother. And as time went on, I sort of changed that to sort of a, uh, caretaking that was more appropriate, um, but it just made me more compassionate and caring for people in need. Well, you know that's remarkable because you know some people pushed into or into a caretaking role at an early age. Sometimes, how did you not get resentful because you couldn't go out and do the things that the other kids could do because you had to be there with brother and mom? I definitely how did you survive have- and not be resentful. You know, I definitely had a lot of responsibility on me that I probably didn't need to be at the time. Um, it uh-huh. took me a while to sort through it, and I tried to correct some of the issues, uh, some of the family issues, which were very difficult to do. Uh-huh. And I finally sought out, you know, honestly, I sought out therapy for myself uh, so I could get through it, so I could get over some of my frustration and resentment with it and let it go and say that I can't control other people's things. They have to take charge of their own lives. Um, And when I got to that place, it made it much easier for Mm me to to sort of take care of myself and do what I needed to do. But I think we all, not all, but people go through challenges like that and it's tough. Yeah, they do. They do. But but the one thing that I'm hearing from you too, and it's interesting because we just did what's just did a, a television show about this, uh, particularly as it relates to women, but we also talked about men as well. What you do are sharing is that you sought help and a, a lot of help for yourself. And it takes a lot, Barry, to really make that decision and be able to ask someone for help. I need help whether it's therapy, I mean, whatever, uh, talking to a pastor. I mean, some people being able to just to share with somebody else, I need help. Can you help me? 
And I think that's so important. And thank God that you did. Because it's made you the person that you are today. Yeah, Mm -hmm. well, thank you. I mean, you do have to let your guard down, and you do have to um, really take a look at what's going on, an honest look, and search out the people that Mm -hmm. you need to go to that will help you get to a better place. Well, you know what? I, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back after this commercial. So, listeners, don't go away. We'll be right back with Dr. Barry Rose. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you ready for a health, life, and empowerment show in one? Then be sure to listen every week for Living Well with Ann Beal. Ann takes her long-running TV show to the Internet Talk Radio Airwaves with guest experts and insight designed to help you live a healthy and successful life. By hearing from the experts and those who have found success, our goal is that you too will be motivated to do the same. Living Well with Ann Beal can be heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi there, and welcome back to the Transformation for Show with my guest today, Dr. Barry Rose, an orthopedic surgeon who is currently the chief of orthopedics and the surgical division head for the Alameda Division of the Palo Alto Foundation Medical Group in California. And he's written a great book called The Cutting Edge of Compassion. Before we went to break, we were talking about some of the lessons that Dr. Rose has learned, not only professional, but personal. And we were talking about, and I was just commending him for being able to ask for help in certain situations. This, his asking for help is probably one of the things, as he pointed out, that led to him, led him to have this compassion, which I so readily saw when I met him. So, Barry, I want to know, what was the awakening that transformed your life into writing this book on compassion and maybe in healthcare, but maybe you should back up and say, uh, what happened in terms of you in healthcare, and how did you come to realize that uh, compassion was needed within a healthcare facility or with healthcare? Well, Barbara, you know, I've been in practice for over 30 years, and since right. I started mm-hmm. practice, a lot of things have changed. Um, when I started practice, oh, yes. And when, you know, and you know this, uh, uh-huh. even when I was growing up, you had a family doctor that uh-huh. you connected with and you trusted. Right. And you had a great working relationship. Right. And that was 
paramount to you getting great care and, and being in a positive energy environment. Because if you aren't in a good energy place and trust the person that is helping you through whatever issue, it's really hard to heal. And it's hard to get well. It so really your is. primary yeah, care, if you were, and if your primary care, if you were connected, would take you mm-hmm. to wherever you needed to go. If you had a medical issue, if you had to have surgery, if you had to go in the hospital, he went with you to the hospital. If you had a problem, he'd find the consultant. Mm-hmm. And then he'd work with you and the consultant and, and your family or whoever else you needed to really coordinate your care. And then it made sense. Mm-hmm. It was explained to you. And you could then go ahead and move ahead and get well. Now it's changed a lot. Things are a lot more disjointed than they, than they were 30 years ago. Uh, you have your mm-hmm. primary care, and there's fantastic primary care docs, but then they send you off to a consultant, or if you go into the hospital, you don't even see your primary care most of the time. You have a hospitalist that sees That's you. That's right. And those hospitalists are right. good doctors, right. but maybe the day you see one one day and you see another one the next day and another one the next day, and then he's not even necessarily communicating with your family doc. And if the family isn't there when they make rounds, I mean, there's a lot, there's a big communication issue. And a lot of times the patients stay in fear or they're confused or they really don't know what's going on. That's true. That is so true. You know, you bring back a lot of uh, things that happened in my life, you know, some years ago about, you know, the medical care profession, just even having children and having a family doctor that was going to be there to take your child and you knew you had somebody that you could depend on, rely on, be trusted, and that has changed. But why, you talk about compassion, why is it so important? Why is it important to healthcare and healing? And and, well, and are you bringing it back? Do you see that it's... Mm-hmm. I think that I took on medicine because I felt it was my calling. I didn't look at it as right. a job. I looked at it as as something right. that I I had to do. This was my mission. This was this was who I was. Um, sometimes that's not always the case with physicians. Sometimes people are doing it as a job. Some people sometimes take a job if it works out with their spin class schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying mm-hmm. that's a good thing. I'm not saying they aren't good doctors, but they're just not as focused and concerned because they're, mm-hmm. I mean, balance is always important. Well, you know what? I We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back after this commercial. So listeners, don't Go away. We'll be right back with Dr. Barry Rose. Thank you for listening. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. If you're in an unhealthy relationship or you want to know what helps you avoid being in an unhealthy relationship, be sure to tune into Tamar's Relationship Transformations. Host, author, and certified relationship coach Tamar Neal uses real scenarios from her experience as a 911 operator and counselor to change the way you see potentially abusive relationships. Tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How are the priorities doing in your life? You might be doing well in your career, but something's suffering at home. Maybe you have a great relationship with your kids, but you don't always feel right, or things are lagging at work. How do you take charge of it all? 
Tune in to Master Your Life with host Leah Mattinson. We'll help you sort out the personal and professional lives to triumph over them both. Listen live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi there, and welcome back to Transformation for Success show with my guest today, Dr. Barry Rose, an orthopedic surgeon who is currently the chief of orthopedics and the surgical division head for the Alameda Division of the Palo Alto Foundation Medical Group in California. And he's written a book called The Cutting Edge of Compassion. You know, before we went to break, Barry, I was asking you, why is compassion so important to healthcare and healing today? Well... I think it's important because it really enhances the connection between the doctor and the patient. Everything mm-hmm. is always based on trust. And I treat everybody yes. as if they're one of my family. And I don't care who you mm-hmm. are. I mean, um, you're here, you have a problem. I want to help you the best way I know how. And the best way I know how is to be interested in your issue and give you everything I got to try to get you well. And if mm-hmm. I'm compassionate, and I'm passionate about what I do anyway, and, mm-hmm. and we have a connection, and you know that I'm looking out for your best interest, you're going to get better with, hopefully, my direction, and you're going to trust me. If you don't trust me, you're going to wonder, why am I doing this? Why am I going to do that? You're not going to stay positive, mm-hmm. and it's going to be really hard for you to get to a better place. And that is so true. Now, we were talking a little bit about um, back, you know, some years ago where you had the whole situation regarding doctors and family medicine was very, very different, where you had a primary doctor who would take care of you uh, in every situation. And you mentioned also the doctor, you had to go to the hospital, the doctor would be there with you in the hospital. He would also, if there had to be a consultant called and that he would also consult with that person, but that doctor would be with you. And it was so important. And as you said, it was very paramount for family healing. And to, just to know that you have a physician who's there with you, that you trust, you have a, you have a, a communication with them. That has not, is not happening today. So one of the things I do know about you is that you have embraced combining Eastern and Western medicine, and also what we're going to talk about is patient advocacy. And I want you to sort of uh, share with the listeners how you've been able to do that and what are the implications uh, for better health care. Well, Barbara, um, traditional Western medicine, of course, is the way I was trained. And I think it's, it's important, mm-hmm. uh, f- of course, because mm-hmm. it's scientific, it, it uh, involves a lot of treatment protocols, but just as important, I think, there are many people and, that are really interested in other aspects of healing, 
and Eastern medicine between meditation and other modalities, mm-hmm. other aspects such as acupuncture and and healers mm-hmm. of all kinds um, really mm-hmm. are helpful and appeal to people. And not everybody is ready or willing to take on all the traditional Western medical approaches. They want to look at it from a holistic view, and right. they should, and they should have that option. And uh, mm-hmm. personally, I've, I've done a little of both in, in the recent past, and I, have, uh, I learned how to meditate a, a long time ago, and I know how mm-hmm. that calms myself and calms Mm -hmm. uh, my stress and helps me. And I'd rather do that than maybe Mm -hmm. take some sort of medicine that may do something similar. Mm -hmm. So I learned early Uh, on that I I combine them both. Okay. Now, do you have much resistance to people uh, in your practice that are in the medical center that you're with that are resistant to that combination? No, I think our group is pretty progressive. I think certain parts of the country may be more resistant to that and certain groups may be more resistant to that, or maybe they just don't know about all the other options that are available um, for, you know, sort of the the complete approach to patient's care. But I do think it's important to combine both. I think there's a lot of Mm -hmm. excellent practitioners out there, allied health folks, Mm -hmm. and um, uh, Eastern medicine practitioners that are incredibly helpful to healing. And I think if a patient has the ability or the option mm-hmm. to take it all on, I think it can't do mm-hmm. anything but enhance their ability to heal and get better. You know, I have a very provocative question to ask you because it just dawned on me. Do you ever think that you would see in the future, we would actually see this uh, combination of Eastern and Western medicine uh, widespread in all of our health, in a healthcare industry itself, where we embrace those healers, embrace those people, uh, acupuncture, who have other methods of healing. Do you see where it would be integrated? I would love in to the see future. It <laughs> I would love to see it integrated in the future, and I do think it's possible because I think people are realizing more and more that there's healing aspects uh, of things other than Western, although Western's incredibly important. But right. I do think that it's, you know, for example, I recently went through um, a treatment for cancer. And when I first reviewed... Wow, did, Barry, I, I didn't know you are going to bring that up, but good, I'm well, glad you did, okay? I might as well, um, because it okay. gave me a, a different perspective. But... I looked at the traditional Western medicine, and it was going to be somewhat brutal for what I was going to have to undergo. And I thought, what other alternatives should I look at? And my wife is a big advocate for holistic and alternative treatment. And I knew that what I was going to have to go through was going to be brutal uh, because it was a really rigorous Mm -hmm. treatment protocol. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. I thought, what if I just did purely Eastern? And I looked at that, too just to make sure that I wasn't mm-hmm. going to miss the boat because my chance for a cure would be close to 100% with the traditional Western approach. So what happened? Right. I went ahead with the traditional Western approach, but I saw healers. I went to acupuncturists. I did mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. I could to combine both. Mm-hmm. And, and in the process, Great. I 
probably finish treatment and probably the top 10% of the people that have to go through it. Now, maybe that was me. Maybe that was the fact that I had an incredible, incredible wife that was there with me every step Mm -hmm. of the way to support me and was my advocate all the way through. And Mm -hmm. maybe a lot of it had to do with my Eastern philosophy approach that I brought into it, too. You'll never know. But the fact that I combined it's probably it all, a combination of the both, probably Barry. A it's of probably a combination of both. Because you had the best patient advocate a person can have, and that is a wife who cares Without and uh, who's there with you. That Without means a, a lot, which, which uh, of course, you're doing so well today. I'm so pleased uh, because when I heard about the diagnosis, I was just devastated. But I also knew that I know a greater healer of them all. So the, the fact that you combined it and here you are today able to share with me on this show, I really, really want to applaud you and thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome, the, Barbara. The thing that Barbara, I, Barbara, every night I prayed to God. I talked to my archangels. Um, I had a, my wife set up a little thing for me to sit down and meditate in front of and, and sort of reach out to the universe. So all of that's important. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I believe the whole com- the combo. Uh, you know, when we talk about, uh, which lets me segue into being a patient advocate, which is what your wife was, what is needed? Uh, well, let me, let me rephrase it this way, because I think a lot of people, maybe some of the listeners out there in some of the other countries, may not understand what is patient advocacy. What do we mean when we say being a patient advocate? Well, it's really somebody that's there for you looking out for your best interest. So can you be your own patient advocate? Absolutely. In fact, everybody needs to be their own patient advocate. You know, your body's your temple, and you need to make sure that you preserve it the best way that you can. If something's awry, then you usually know when something's not right with you. So you need to be able mm-hmm. to advocate for yourself and make sure that you find what's wrong, and, and mm-hmm. try to figure it out. Now, maybe it's physical, and maybe it's medically related, and maybe it's stress-related. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But you still need to figure mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you can be your own best patient advocate to begin with. If there's a wife, a spouse, a family member that you trust and that mm-hmm. you care about, that is willing to be with you mm-hmm. at your side to get through it, you're blessed and you're lucky. And that's a patient advocate, too. If you have a physician or a healthcare professional mm-hmm. or an allied health professional that is willing to be there and help you sort it out and that you trust, that's a patient advocate, too. It can come in many forms, but it's hard to get well if you stay in a state of fear and mm-hmm. oh, a yes. state of despair. Those two words I don't like, <laughs> fear and despair. But you make a good point about being an advocate for yourself, and I'm going to elaborate on why this is important. I recently uh, visited a couple of doctors who I've become good friends with, and they're in my healthcare system. Both females, one from China, one from Korea. Interestingly enough, in a conversation, they shared with me the number of patients that do not come in and know what medications they take, nor do they have a card or something that indicates their medications and the dosages. And so I was like, wow, are you serious? And they're talking about women 
in a certain age group when they get to be 55 or 60. And they don't. So being an advocate for yourself is not only knowing what's going on with you, but it's the best interest for you to know what medications that you are taking. Absolutely. Let me tell you a little story. So anyway. Right, be- right before mm-hmm. I started treatment, my wife and I were going through everything that was, gonna, was about to happen. And we had a lot of questions, mm-hmm. even more than we had gone over with our oncologist. So I remember getting a hold of our oncologist, and he got back in touch with me. And I spent maybe 45 minutes asking questions that we had thought about, that we weren't sure about. And I'm a physician. I knew a lot anyway, but I still had a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. And at the end, I thanked my my oncologist, and I said, I'm sorry I took up so much of your time. Um, um, You really helped me a lot. You helped clear a lot of things that I was still concerned about, wondering about. And um, Mm -hmm. I, I said, I'm sure a lot of people take up a lot of your time with questions like this. And he says, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. He says, that's the sad part. He said, every question you asked was absolutely strike zone. He says, but of all the people that I treat, maybe 2% ask questions like this and really ask me, you know, about this or that. And I was shocked that more people aren't mm-hmm. doing what they need mm-hmm. to do to make sure that they can keep themselves out of a state of of fear, and so that they understand. Um, I don't know if there's It's just, it was hard for me to believe. Well, I, I can understand that it does, because it was hard for me to believe that, that what the doctors are telling me, that people don't know what medications they're taking, and they don't know the dosages, they don't have that with them, and I was like, oh my goodness. Now, they have a record of that in the computer, because the doctors will, but it's like the patients need to know what you're taking. You really do. And what are the what are the side effects? Um, well, one of the things, I, I, Barry, I wanted to ask you about your book because it is so compelling. I've read a lot of, of what's in that book, but how how do you wish to improve the world with your you book, know, The Cutting Edge of Compassion? Mm-hmm. I think that I think that there are things that need to change in the present healthcare system. Um, my book mm-hmm. is story based about my life and what took me. Mm-hmm. how I started at an early age and went through all the training. It sort of talks about what training there is for what 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 physicians have to go through so that the patient will understand. Mm-hmm. Um, it talks about how important it is that everybody that takes care of a patient, from a family member to allied health to the physical therapist to the nurse, how everybody's an integral part of that care, and everybody's equally as important as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, mm-hmm. and, and then what really need, needs to change? I actually think that there needs to be a patient advocate system that exists where maybe where we can train some, some, mm-hmm. some people that mm-hmm. are some, maybe nurses that are thinking about retiring or physicians that can really be out there to advocate for people in case they need help sorting things out. Um, and That's they can right. be just allied health professionals. I think mm-hmm. that there's issues with the pharmaceutical lobby that exists, and I worry mm-hmm. that uh, there's maybe new drugs and treatments that may or may not be able to come out easily uh, into, into, into the public eye and for caring for people because mm-hmm. if, if a drug gets replaced, it may cost a company billions of dollars. 
And it shouldn't be about that. And I think we need to all work together to make sure that there's not such a big pharmaceutical lobby that that affects how drugs come out. I think that there's insurance Mm -hmm. issues that we have that need to be addressed Mm -hmm. about how people get cared for and how their care gets covered. So there's just things I think that need to change. And I think it's going to take a combination of physicians and Allied Health and the patients themselves working together to make that happen. And I'm so glad that you wrote this book because I'm very intrigued with the whole notion of uh, training for patient advocacy because unfortunately today and and with our healthcare systems, there are not many doctors, Barry, that are like you. That and I'm not saying that there there aren't there are and I I did admire them and I know that there are many who don't get the credit that they deserve that but not many of them have the time to provide that extensive communication and comfort that is essential to a patient's healing and just even a patient's understanding with my husband having dementia for seven years and back and forth doctors visits. I was the patient advocate to talk with the doctor, too, because my husband got to the point where he couldn't communicate, really, um, with the doctor. And I would have to stay on top of it and ask questions, And but it would be, you know, 15 minutes. It's like 20 minutes. I mean, he had to go on to the next patient. I understand that. But this, this whole notion of having a patient advocacy group where, um, I will say this, he took the time with me to say, you know, there's the time is going to come where there will be placement issues for him, for his care. And so, and I appreciated that, but because I had developed a relationship with this doctor over a period of time with my husband, I probably got a little bit more in terms of communication and care and comfort. But there are so many people who maybe weren't as knowledgeable about the questions to ask that I was able to do so. So anyway, obviously, your life work brings you so much joy, and you truly, truly are an inspiration to so many people, Barry. And I just want to thank you for being on the show today. Um, that Your thank information you, in that book on being a patient advocate, it's on target, and it's very beneficial. So I'm going to stress to those listeners out there who really want to know about the the compassionate side of medicine and you really want to look at uh, Dr. Barry Rose's book because compassion is so important to healing and I know that you've in, you've appreciated some of the insights on what advocates need to understand about where to look for help for their loved one's care. Barry, I have a final question uh, and it, it I know you're not a sp- <laughs> a forecaster or seer, but what are some of the healthcare changes? That would be good for all of us. You know, patient advocacy is one of one of them. The other, what would be some of the other healthcare changes that would be good for all of us to know? Oh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> good, I asked a good question. <laughs> you, you know, um, <laughs> I think the insurance industry is is tough right now. And I think um, we need to be, I I think when it comes to finding out whatever plan you decide to sign up for, 
And whether it's uh, through the, the quote, quote, Obamacare type of plan or through it's a conventional um, insurance plan, there's been so many changes that I think it's really important for the patients to figure out all the parameters of those, of those, uh, of their insurance. Because you can't always go see whoever you want to go see. Sometimes if you switch your insurance, you can't even go back and see the primary care doctor that's been taking care of you forever that you trust. So you still got to mm-hmm. advocate for what you need to do uh, w- with the changes in the, in the insurance system as, as it stands. And so we need to do more work uh, to make sure that that is more streamlined in the future for patients to get, you mm-hmm. know, to get who they need to and who they want to go to and to make sure that their care is covered. Because when things aren't covered and if they aren't covered and you end up going through expensive tests and stuff, it can put you in a real financial bind, which is another issue that really need not happen. Um, and sometimes you, if you don't do that ahead of time or think about it ahead of time, you find yourself really in, in a really financial squeeze with big bills mm-hmm. for things that weren't covered that you thought were. Um, there's disability insurance issues that we need to look at in the future for people so that um, whatever their companies provide, because sometimes if you get injured or if you get sick and you don't have the disability coverage that really kicks in immediately that covers your costs, then you Uh also can be in another financial bind, and that just causes stress and makes it hard for you to to get well and things that you don't need to worry about when you're sick. Um, If drugs aren't covered, you know, in the pharmaceutical, you know, Mm -hmm. field, that Good then God, they're so expensive. You, yeah, they're so expensive. Oh. I mean, there's there's a drug that can cure hepatitis C, but there's many companies and insurance companies that won't cover that cost. Uh, and when that happens, you can't get cured. But in some insurance uh, scenarios, it is covered. And in other ones, it may cost eighty or $100,000 out of pocket. Well, that shouldn't be. So... We have some work to do to try to make sure that everybody can get the care that they need and make sure that's mm-hmm. affordable. Well, you know, I I just, you know, you've been so very clear about this whole effort and then your book. I love what you say um, about why compassion is necessary in healthcare. We also need healing in the healthcare system. We need to have- the reason I wrote the whole book is, is it's time for change. Um, I've been, yes, I've it watched is. it change from what I started to what it is now. And I'd love to see things change back to uh, a more comprehensive, compassionate, caring place. I mean, there's unbelievable physicians out there and most are. Um, but if I can, yes, they we are. can help. If we can help the patients understand, physicians understand, and all work together, I think we can make some transformational changes in the future. And I know we can, Barry. And I just want to say, as we wrap up the show today, I want you to know how much I appreciate you, and I've loved having you on the show today. And one of the things that I, I want to just share before we leave, that compassion, this is what you're one of your quotes, is, compassion is one of what I call the four C's, along with competency, communication, and convenience. And these are the things that patients should be able to expect from their doctors. I love that. Compassion and communication 
good bedside manner. But you know what? It's also good for all of us just in life. So thank you so much for being with me today. And you know what? We're going to have to have part two and uh, talk about your incredible journey of getting through what you've had to get through and a little bit of your personal story with your wife. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm in and I'd love to do it. So, listeners, I want you to listen in next week as I have another guest coming on with an incredible story, and you won't want to miss this challenging transformation story. And so, tune in in the month of July, which is coming up next week, as we have more exciting guests on the Transformation for Success show. This is your success coach, Dr. Barbara, signing off until next Tuesday. Be inspired, be challenged, be encouraged, and be forever transform. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next week. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Have an outstanding week.